And this is your girl, Ryan. And this is the Conscious Sedation Podcast. Yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah, we're live. Okay, here we go. Hi, guys. <laughs> hey. Hey, boos. <laughs> yeah. We're a little lucky. You know, we are. Yeah. Listen, I'm going to hold myself accountable today. A girl had to eat, and so <laughs> I didn't cook dinner today, and um, I ordered out, and they were taking forever, so here we are. <laughs> oh, hey! <laughs> I may or may not sneak a few bites while we're podcasting. Tasha will kill me if I'm chewing on the recording, but, you know, a girl gotta eat. Right. <laughs> it's okay. Now, when you were smacking on the recording last week, you reminded me of Tiff. When I was what? Smacking. And, and. Was I popping my house? <laughs> was I? Girl, I couldn't get over the way that my pots and pans was clanking, clanking in the background. I didn't even hear it. I'm so used to tuning out sounds and noise to like focus and do what I need to do. In my house because house is loud. I have like, you know, I have a lot of children, but house a lot of people live in my house. Yeah, I'm, sure. <laughs> so, I'm so used to tuning everybody out that I didn't even hear it until I listened to the recording. And it wasn't even the first time I listened to it, it was the second time I listened to it. And I was like, Oh my god. It was like like, 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 like somebody was tearing my kitchen down. <laughs> they were <laughs> And then I see yes. how I, you know, said I was mindful that I was in the house by myself. We knew it wasn't. <laughs> and then I was thinking about how you were like, I am all about, I'm like you said, you were all about the sound quality of a podcast. And if the sound was terrible, I was like, I'm dragging this down. <laughs> and still haven't found the mic. How about that? I found I'm dragging this podcast down. But I still don't You know. said what? I found another couple pieces, but I still don't know what it might be. You can find it, girl. It's in a box tucked away somewhere. It's somewhere. It's here. When you when you first moved to Atlanta, it wasn't a priority. Right. <laughs> it's tucked away somewhere. Your fish fry. Yes. Oh. How is you doing, girl? I am doing good. I'm tired, mm-hmm. but I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm sh- you know, I really need a vacation. A vacation would be nice. So I was trying to look at some flights today, and I'm going to tell you what's funny. I clicked that little link that Facebook has, like the COVID update info. <laughs> and so I was like, let me look at it. And so it ranks all of the states and how many cases and stuff like that they have. And, you know, Hawaii is pretty low. They are. I was like, hmm, could we go to Hawaii? Well, Hawaii treated itself like a foreign country when COVID initially popped off. They closed their borders. They said, they said, can't nobody travel in, travel out. Like, they closed their borders. So they did the right thing. Americans were trying to like travel and stuff when it first popped off. Hawaii was like, nah, (laughs) nah, bruh. (laughs) Y'all got the hiv. Stay on the mainland with that. Because I think they have like maybe thirteen or fifteen hundred cases, and that's it. 
Yeah, and I think their cases were already like pretty low. Like even their their, their peak numbers were low compared to the mainland. So mm-hmm. they were playing zero games with us. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I'm good. I know I had said that we were feeling the way about the hashtag. So, but the hashtag that I thought of was really funny. And it is hashtag Dr. Mommy Money. That cracked me up. <laughs> when I heard Dr. Mommy Money, <laughs> it just rolled out way too easy. I was just like, and that's a mommy money. Yeah. Right. Right. I was like, that's okay. funny. That's what I was going to choose to. Well, I actually, was what's funny. Just that's what I ain't telling you. Mm-mm, that's too good. Yeah, that was good. It's funny because um, my daughter texted me today. She's got an iPad, my youngest daughter, and she texted me today. And I could see that she has my contact information saved in her phone as Dr. Mommy. <laughs> that's cute. They're speaking for you. I love it. They are speaking into existence. They believe in me. Probably more than I believe in myself, which is good. So Sometimes, That's all right. You got three little backers right there built in. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, shall we have our mindful moment? Yes. You go ahead and go first today. Okay, um, today I'm mindful that I looked in the mirror and realized that my conscious sedation shirt was on backwards. <laughs> so, while I was going and trying to slight flex while I'm taping, I was like, oh wait, I might want to turn that around because that ain't right. So I was trying to beautify myself and do something to my hair for y'all so I didn't look super crazy. Um, and yeah, I realized that my shirt was on backwards. So I'm grateful that I did try to A, do my hair. Because yes. really, I probably would have just came on and be like, my camera grainy anyway, it don't matter. <laughs> no, girl, we can see you, girl. And y'all would have saw Tasha and Ryan and Tiffany. <laughs> oh, if you would not have looked in the mirror. Yes, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Of Conscious Nation podcast. So yeah, that's what I'm yes. mindful of today that I was able to get myself together and be presentable. <laughs> what about you, friend? <laughs> hey, I just think it is so funny that as a mother, especially of a, a mother of like small children, that is something to be mindful of. I tell the moms I serve all the time, like you will be like taking a shower <laughs> will become your greatest joy. You will begin to love going to the grocery store because you can leave a little bit at home and you can have five seconds of peace. Trap music your Peace trap music. I be trapping. I be like, I know when I get home, honey be like, what is she doing? Cause I come in the, I come in the garage like this. Boom, boom, boom. You like, Alexa, what song has the most curse words? <laughs> and we can play now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Run Alexa, play the song with the most curse words. <laughs> yeah. I be I'm a savage. <laughs> if you want to jump to the D-Dog, then you don't feel about Yeah. The things that you enjoy and relish in as a new mom. No, that's real. I was in the car the other day and I was playing my um, iTunes or whatever, and I was like, 
I must sound this is explicit. Like I can't play nothing with these children in the car. Like <laughs> I need to find the clean version. Where is the clean version? I promise I used to have like a mom playlist. Anytime my mother was in a car, I'd be like, yeah, this will be safe. Or like my aunt, this will be safe. I can put this on. Yeah, I need to reinstitute that. Cause yes. Yeah. That is funny. But yeah, those little things matter. They matter so much. Stuff you ne- that you took for granted before, you know, you became a mother. Like <clears throat> they, they have such value. Yeah. So that's good. That's a good thing to be mindful of. Um, I, today I'm mindful of my village. I am, um, <laughs> we are just continuing on from last week where I said I was really struggling, <laughs> currently still struggling, okay, um, but I um, am mindful of my village who, um, many of whom were able to, I guess, kind of feel that I was struggling, like, on like a energy, spiritual level and reached out to me and I'm mindful that I was able to ask for help um, which is huge for moi because I um, do not typically ask for help Um, not because I don't want to ask for help per se but a lot of times I'm so used to doing things on my own I don't always know what to even ask or like what I even need Mm -hmm. and so I am um, mindful that Uh, My village was able to reach out to me and lend themselves to me, which made it a lot easier for me to recognize what I needed and to um, lean into that support and um, let them allow them to help me. So I'm mindful of that. And I am I always like I'm always preaching like, you know, that we need to be the village like everybody wants to receive be on the receiving end of the village. Everybody wants a village. But it's so very important to sometimes also be the village for other people. And um, I'm thankful that my village has stepped in to be the village for me um, this week. Yes, and that you let them. I think I just posted something on um, my business page that said, you know, people have good intentions is what the gist of the message was. And it was two conversation bubbles where mm-hmm. one person asking another woman, I think it was two women, um, you need anything or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the woman on the other side has all these things in her head that she needs, like rest, a meal, peace, you know, just whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there's a line and on the bottom, there's a different thing that just says show up. Mm-hmm. And, and so the bubble says, I'm bringing you dinner tonight. What would you guys like? You know, and then the other mother is just like, thank you. And has yes. some of the things in her mind crossed out because this person just showed up, didn't ask. Yes. I mean, great to have good intentions. Mm-hmm. But you're like, you need anything? You leave the window open and a door open for somebody to say no and someone who has trouble accepting help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Which I think is particularly true I know it's true for mothers but I think it's particularly true um to black mothers to black mamas black women because we have this um this unspoken rule or like expectation that we are supposed to be strong and handle it all and 
do everything on our own and take care of it all and be be cool about it, right? Like not complain about it. Yes. And so I think that's particularly true. Yes, to, um, to for us because like I listen, I'm I have laid down my cape. I am not a superwoman. I am not a super mommy. I am not. I lend myself to people to support other people, but I also need that to be reciprocated back to me often even. And so I think that um, we as black women need to do what you just said. A lot of times, just just do things, Mm -hmm. just show up, just be the village Mm -hmm. Um, because because you're right. A lot of times we don't know how to ask for help. We never saw anybody do that. That has not been modeled for many of us from our the maternal influences in our lives. That has not been modeled asking for help. And so we don't know how to do it. A lot of times, again, we, we're used to doing everything. So we don't even know like where to start. Where What can you help me with? I don't even know. Like, <laughs> what could you do? I found the dynamic that the receipt of help has not been without strings attached, attached or expectations. Yes. And so you feel like, okay, I can accept help, but then I have to be forever grateful or ingratiate myself to this person for the rest of our existence. And is that truly yes. help? <laughs> is that the help that I need? Right. Yes, that is also true. Um, yeah, that's that's super true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really true. So yeah, I think I think it's there's a lot of value um, in, in people just being able to show up. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and just do, just do something. You know, everybody got to eat. Even if they are, even if she cooked today, if you bring food, she can eat it tomorrow, <laughs> or it can be lunch tomorrow, or whatever. You know, anything. Or maybe she fed herself something different because she's on a plant based diet and her kids eat whatever. Whatever. Yes. And yeah, I think that shift happened for me right around my early thirties, where I started to reframe strength and strong and what those two words meant um Mm -hmm. as it particularly related to me being a woman I'm just like you know I feel like a lot of times there's more strength and vulnerability Mm -hmm. you know and so if people want to perceive tears or um vulnerability and openness as weakness then that's your issue (laughs) it is not and so moving forward um I even have to catch myself sometimes because it is so ingrained to not accept help or be like, oh, no, I got it. I'm used to doing Mm -hmm. it myself. I have to catch myself. When I at first had my baby, I would be like, you know, I got my backpack, diaper bag on, and I've got her in the car seat. And someone's like, let me get the door for you. And I'm, you know, a step or two ahead of them instead of just instead of just waiting. And saying thank you and accepting mm-hmm. that help. You know what I'm saying? I had yes. to ask myself from being like, oh, I got it. I'm okay. You know, I I do this. I does this. Yes. No. Yeah. No that. I am so um, <laughs> intentional in telling anybody who comes to my childbirth education workshops or my patients or whatever. I'm like, this is your new move, girl. This is it. This is yes to everything. Yes, I always tell my mom that's so funny ask my mom put a little string on your chin yes (laughs) when people say can I bring you something you say yes can I can I bring you some food yes are you hungry yes (laughs) yes it's the same thing especially in that early postpartum period because I always say that is for the most part the one time 
that you can get people to do anything for you. I mean, people will like scrub your toilets. They're going to mop your floor. They'll put your dirty dishes in the dishwasher. They'll fold baby laundry. They'll hold the baby while you take a shower. They're going to ask you, hey, I'm on my way. Do you need anything? Your answer, mama, is yes. Yes, I need something. Pick something out of the sky. Anything you might think you might need. <laughs> a snicker. Okay, some ice cream, what? some milk, right. some laundry detergent, something. The gallon they, over here and I would jump for joy. They are bringing <laughs> something to you. Yes, and when they get there, let them do something for you. Ask them to fold the laundry. Ask them to do, they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Baby snuggles are not free. I say that all the time. Baby snuggles are not free. If you come over to snuggle this baby, child, you're going to have to earn that. You're going to have to earn it. <laughs> you're going to have to earn it. Sweep the floor first. Thank you. My first little doula client that I took, I loved her so much because she, just the way she would talk about things, and she was so matter-of-fact and still so very young, but she had said something like, yeah, I tell people that we're looking for employees. Like, we're not looking for spectators and people to come over here and visit this baby and for me to have to entertain them. We need some workers. And I was Uh like, you need me. (laughs) You got it together. You already Yes, that's so true. I mean, you and I used to always talk about, you know, when we're working the floor, how people fill the room when it's time to have the baby. We've got a room full of people. Everybody there, everybody wants to see this baby born. You know, that lasts for only a couple weeks before people move on and get back to their regular life. And they feel like, oh, you got it. You cool. So while they're pre- first of all, be present for longer than that because mamas need support way longer than the first couple weeks. Yeah. But also, while they are present, while it is new, while it is exciting, Allow people to support you, you know, allow people to, to be there and be when they're when they're present, make them work, child. Mm-hmm. That's a whole <laughs> word. And we weren't even talking about that this week. We were not even talking about that, that today. That's <laughs> yeah. that's that's, yes, well, <laughs> that's we a free nugget for y'all today. <laughs> you know we late, we got y'all some extra. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Yes. So, um, we hadn't had anything in our inbox just yet. So if you guys have any questions, topic suggestions, anything like that, please send us an email. The email is get sedated, G-E-T-S-E-D-A-T-E-D 705 at gmail.com. We are open and hoping to hear from you to see what your thoughts are about some of the things that we talk about. Um, and we want to hear from you as far as what you want to hear about. So don't hesitate to send us a message to either to the inbox or you can send it on Facebook or what have you. Yes. Yes. Well, we, did we get an inbox about potential topics? Yeah. Yeah. On Facebook? Yeah. Yeah. We okay. got okay. But no questions specifically. No specific questions. Okay. Right. So, yeah, um, well, we did get a comment or a question about what we're talking about today. So our topic is going to be about COVID-19, a.k.a. pandemic. Pandemic. <laughs> global health crisis, okay? Not global pandemic. Yeah. Global health yeah, crisis. We, we fixed that last week, though. So. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this thing is just spiraling out of control. At a rapid pace, the U.S. is adding 60,000 cases a day. 
60,000 new cases a day. New cases. Yeah, I think worldwide, um, we've cracked 14 million cases and 4 million of those are in the United States of America. So yeah, um, still tracking with that 30%, <laughs> you know, kind of number. Yeah, look at that face. I mean, I just, it's so disgusting, like, and almost embarrassing, not almost embarrassing, it is embarrassing to be an Amer American right now because every other country has figured out a way to at least level their numbers off if they have not declined. Mm -hmm. And we have many states that whose numbers are rising. Mm -hmm. And why do you think that is? Girl, because we trifling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I feel that the, what is happening right now in terms of numbers for COVID is a direct reflection on the way this country was like in terms of the development of the country that we know it is to be today, the colonization of America, right? Okay. Is a direct reflection of that. Americans have a tendency to be selfish, right? We have a tendency to be greedy. We have a tendency to um, be impatient in terms of wanting everything right now. Mm -hmm. And so that prevents us from sitting the heck still, right? Quarantining ourselves or whatever we need to do in order to make the numbers go down. Whereas every other country has figured out they have, our priorities are different. You know, mm -hmm. there are other, other countries, the economy is like the biggest reason why we started opening up the country. Numbers were not down when we started opening the country up. Like when even these different levels and tiers for opening, the numbers weren't down. And even when y'all y'all go, you start at a level one. When you go to level two, the numbers should be down. They weren't. Y'all are still going. You still you still going. So it's just it's because we're greedy. And I say I use the term we loosely, child. <laughs> <laughs> we read they. <laughs> They, yes, I do not align with that. Like that is that is the, the reason. That's what I feel like. It's a direct reflection of you know the colonization of this country and how it was started and why it was started and the way in which it was started. Um, it's just it's it's, yeah. it's just who America is. Holistic mindset. Yeah. Yes. Very much so. Very much so. I think, too, um, other countries have already an economic system that can withstand something like this, meaning that the government is already in a semi-position to take care of their constituents. So if you're talking about other countries like, say, Canada, <laughs> you know, or, you know, which is pretty close to us, but other countries, Italy, like they completely shut everything down period yeah. and took care yeah. of citizens so there was no rent there was no mortgages there was nothing that would drive a person back into the workforce or out into the streets they literally they shut everything down and essential meant essential yes. bottom yes. line mm -hmm. you know i feel like um people stopped moving here for a good two maybe three weeks yes and after that things just kind of trickled back open until, you know, it was a pool in the middle of a club and everybody's acting like 
is just hope. <laughs> and I'm just like, how how did Americans just up and decide? Just decided one day, like, yeah, we done. We done. <laughs> but this is cute and all, but um, we gotta get back to it. This ain't working for me. We're done. Yes. Yes. And I don't know. I think it's you know our raggedy ASS government and them making light of it in the first place and not really governing and putting down hard lines about what is expected, what should be done, and leaving that up to the states to decide for themselves. You know, a uh-huh. true leader will say, look, this is what we need to be doing, and this is it. I mean, now... At least have some sort of guidance that says this is what the expectation is. Because, so, like... <clears throat> What is, okay, so the fact is, is that probably 70% of America is rural, right? Like we have lots of rural, rural space where people live socially distant, right? They, they naturally live that way. And so I can understand that it could be potentially unfair to have an entire mandate that says you got to do X, Y, Z for those areas because they naturally live that way. Like it kind of may seem silly to them, you know, who they live miles apart, right, to be that way. But the urban, the most heavily populated parts of our country, right, are urban spaces where people live on top of each other a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And so... If you are the governor of a state, you have to consider the majority of the people, not the majority of the land, right? Mm-hmm. And so say the, the same tr- holds true for like, you know, the leader of this country, if we want to use the term leader very loosely here. <laughs> not leader. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, you, you can't, I mean, I get that those people feel like, you know, they want to revolt, they want to, like, complain, it's not fair, whatever, but the great, the greater, sometimes, like, the, the good has to suffer with the bad, or whatever, like, sometimes you got to sacrifice something for the greater good of the entire population, and the fact that our most heavily populated cities are obviously the most impacted mm-hmm. from COVID, they have the highest number of cases, um, because it's not because they live on top of each other. They live so close together. We work close together. We travel close together. We you know commute together, and so you know, like even for example, like I mean you know in Georgia, the governor is suing right the mayor of Atlanta because she wanted to excuse me have a mandate a mask mandate for the city of Atlanta. <laughs> I can't I can't get with it. I don't I can't what are you saying? Atlanta's numbers are continuing to increase. They need some type of governance, some type of guidelines to help to bring the numbers down. Now I will say this. I am all about like I am probably a conspiracy theorist with the best of them, right? Like I'd be like questioning everything, right? And so if I was not also a nurse, if I was not also able to see firsthand with my own eyes how the numbers are not going down, right? How I see a patient come in who is seemingly healthy, 
asymptomatic who turns in 24 hours and is had a fever and is completely sick and you know baby showing signs like all these things i've seen it then i might be like okay you don't need to wear masks maybe y'all just trying to control us i could get into that (laughs) i could probably buy all of that but i see it and so i no we need some type of governance we need some type of guidelines to help to protect the masses the larger number of people the the community at large Mm-hmm. And I, I agree with you. They're failing us. Governors are failing us, and and this the, the our country's leadership is failing us. I think too. What um, annoyed me most, or where I saw the largest shift, was initially when all of the data and everything was coming out. It talked about how this is the age group that's affected, and it was like yes. baby boomers or whatever. Yep. So then it was mm-hmm. a whole lot of finger wagging, like, you know, young people need to sit down and this and that, and yada, yada, you young people, blah, 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 blah. And it wasn't very much resistance to the stay-home orders and stuff like that. But then the narrative started to change where, you know, this is disproportionately affecting Black people. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, I'm black. So party on, dude. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? That's what what it was. That's what it felt like for me. I was just like, how is it now so much resistance? But just five minutes ago, everybody was mad at millennials and, you know, Gen Z or whatever. Because they were having COVID parties or whatever irresponsible SHIT they were doing. But now it's like, you know, well, we just go ahead and and business as usual because I ain't got nothing to worry about. It's not affecting us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then there's plea from the Surgeon General. So this this sounds eerily like the opioid crisis, but that's a topic for another day. Mm -hmm. I'm triggered right now. Yeah. We're only concerned that it has something to do with us. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just really annoyed with the way the government has handled everything. And then, you know, the stimulus, this little $1,200 that they threw at people. Like, who? Who did it help? And then it was, what, like an extra $200, if you had a kid? I yeah, mean, I think it was I think it was three hundred dollars if you had a child. That's right, three hundred dollars. I think it was three hundred. I mean, it was great. It was cute, but what else are we doing to really remedy the issues that people are facing economically in this country? And I really think mm-hmm. that none other but to bolster or um, try to flip the stock market or <clears throat> into the economy. It wasn't really to take care of the citizens because... No, because, I mean, $1,200 is like one month's worth of rent in most places. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like mortgage in most places. So that's one month of support. That doesn't that doesn't do anything. And that's only put a roof over your head, though. Right. Exactly. Mm, with these lights, water, like... For one month, though. Just, right. just for a month. Right, right. Amen. So, yeah. 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 I think this is collective posture since the whole thing started. Just 
sitting back with my arms crossed, like, look at this. With this face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Waiting for the aliens to come get me, but the aliens, like... We ain't coming down there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't coming through that ozone layer. <laughs> no, no, no. We ain't doing it. We ain't coming. Forget about it. We done passed y'all. We going to Mars. Not coming. Yeah. What were you going to say that our Surgeon Generals had to say? You started saying that and then I, I you know, cut you off. <laughs> His initial comments um, using colloquialisms to appeal to, you know, black and brown folks to um, stay at home for your map. I'm sorry. <laughs> For your grandma. Big mama. Big mama. For big mama. For TG now. And papa. See, I almost said mamma because I was like, no, that's who we need. That's not. That's not us. (laughs) No, 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 sorry. That ain't us. Big mama, actually. Big mama. Um, Yeah, that just really burned me up. I'm just like... Okay, and then when people started storming capitals with rifles and stuff like that, where was he? Why did he have nothing to say? And then recently they were talking about, of course, the numbers rising and things getting worse. Uh-huh. And ask mandate was um, proposed. So saying that the government should propose that everybody wear a mask until the numbers start to decline or what have you. And he said in so many words that because of the... Um, the police climate in the country right now and um you know black people being killed by the police he didn't say these words this is the i'm paraphrasing these were like he said the government cannot impose a mask mandate because of the police climate he didn't feel like that would be a safe thing to do okay and so basically what i got from that was that okay because cops can't stop killing unarmed black people (laughs) <laughs> we can't wear a mask. Right. Well, now I will be, so I have heard lots of black males in particular who have expressed fear or even mothers of, you know, black boys or black men um, who have expressed concern or fear about their children their, or themselves wearing a mask mm-hmm. as the black man, a black male, boy, whatever. Um, because it, the, you know, going into the store, going you going into the convenience store with a mask on, right? It's almost setting yourself up as a target, as though you are not already a target. <laughs> so I have heard the community response that is saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for you, I mean, I get it. He just toasts the line so much. He, like, walks right on the line. He's never on one side or another. It's like, what do you think, Adams? Like, what are you doing? What are you saying? Like, it's like, yes, that's that's true. The community feels that way. But what are you doing as in a position of leadership? As a surgeon general, this is like a crisis, right? Mm -hmm. What are you doing about it? He's following suit. <laughs> For real. And so I know so that one state, if, please and thank you, because you're just making it worse. But I know that there's one state where um, black and brown people are like exempt from having to wear masks for that reason. I think it's 
Seattle. I'm not sure where <clears throat> one city. Well, I could see it being somewhere up there because they're yeah, yeah, it's the, as liberal as they are, the racism runs deep. Child, <laughs> liberal ain't become nothing but a buzz. <laughs> I already know. I already know. Yeah. I don't have nothing to do with, with black people. Yeah. Yeah. So then, you know, there's this topic of um, COVID disproportionately affecting black people and what that looks like. And while I agree that that's terrible, <laughs> that's not a new dynamic to us anyway. You know, no. there's all these headlines or whatever, like uh, the pandemic is shining a light on health disparities in the country. And we like, okay, gotcha. is that how they sound? <laughs> is, that, is that how they sound when they say in the time? In their voices when every other black person in America is like, okay, so it's Monday. Right. Um, <laughs> and water just, is wet, so. In other news, water is wet. It just bothers me so much. I always feel like there is a different agenda, another play, another ploy um, behind these stories being spotlighted and people trying to make Black folk the face of something, okay? Yeah. I don't ever feel like it is to our benefit or in our benefit in any way. And so then, you know, like weeks after all of this makes the headline, then it's, you know, Bill and Melinda Gates, and they're talking about a vaccine, and they say that healthcare workers and Black people should be first in line to get the vaccine. Girl, yes. Because y'all care about Black people. <clears throat> Ain't nobody falling for the banana in the tailpipe. <laughs> we done. Yes. Like, like, seriously. I mean, I don't think anybody, like you said, the, no black people were surprised that our numbers would be the highest. And, um, you know, you and I talked a little bit earlier about how they present the information, how the information is presented in media. I mean, even in textbooks in nursing school, like I'm sure most of you all have seen like this textbook, this nursing school textbook that's been going around where they talked about how black people or people of color perceive pain, right? And so the racist context in which that's been written. So we're not surprised that the numbers are higher, but let's be very clear. Okay, it is not because black people are broken. The disparities don't exist because we are just, our DNA is more susceptible to disease or illness. Yeah, or because we're irresponsible. A watermelon. What'd you say, girl? If y'all could please miss us with the pluckery. <laughs> what did you say about watermelon? Because we love fried chicken and watermelon. These are the reasons. <laughs> hey, listen, I love both, but listen. <laughs> While we stroke out, it ain't got nothing to do with food. It doesn't. I actually heard something that said, um, I read a post that said something about changing that term to food apartheid. And I actually like that because desert is a naturally, you know, happening thing in the cosmos or in our system or whatever. Whereas an apartheid is deliberate. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's like, it's almost like, you know, an apartheid or a war even. Because yeah. I always talk about food sovereignty. Yeah. And instead of saying, you know, food desert or, you know, food sufficient, like I always talk about food sovereignty and how um, that the, 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 that language is important mm -hmm. um, to say, because it's very intentional. Mm -hmm. It is 100 percent intentional. It's not 
it's not just a coincidence that you can walk into any um, predominantly black neighborhood in this country and go into the grocery store, right, and not be able to find actually like good fresh produce. That is not by that's not a coincidence, right? You know what I'm saying? That's like a thing that I can talk to somebody in California or New York State or Florida. Or Washington State, we all will have the same experience if we're in a predominantly black neighborhood when you're trying to go to the grocery store. That is not, that's not, 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 a, not a coincidence. <laughs> you're definitely going to pass at least five fast food joints on your way. Yes, and convenience stores. Mm-hmm. Okay, we got we got a host of convenience stores and mm-hmm. Dollar Generals. Yes, mm-hmm. that, that, that serve food, that sell food, I mean. Yeah, for sure. Literally, like, um, it's not too far from where I live. There is a Dollar Tree and a Dollar General right next to each other. Mm-hmm. I'm like, <laughs> really? Yeah, and they sell food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So I agree, you know, um, that that language, that using, changing that terminology is, is important. Um but, you know, we think about the numbers for COVID being higher in the black community. Um, you know, I'm, I'm even kind of done saying the word disparity and like calling it what it is. It's like racism. It is structural and systematic, systemic racism. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, a myriad of reasons why the numbers are higher. Um, and it has nothing to do with us as people, has nothing to do with our DNA, it has everything to do with the system in which we live. You know, a lot of black, black, the, a lot of the black community were the last to have access to masks. You know, like I think about, you know, um, some of the county hospitals, they may be providing masks for free now, but when COVID first launched, they weren't. It wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. That that wasn't the case, you know. Um, when I think about the way that a lot of Black people live, like we talked about, a lot of urban areas, we live on top of each other. So you think about people who might live in the projects, people who might live in even you might live in a home, but a lot of times in urban areas, homes are like close together, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's not a lot of space between your house and the house next to you. And so we live on top of each other. A lot of black people, we do a lot of community living, right? And so you may live in a house with your grandma and your mom and your aunt, like, right? We live communally like that together. And so then that places you at an increased risk, especially, I mean, you talk, Tasha, about how um, there's this disproportionate uh, number of black people who are essential workers, right? We're the ones who have those jobs in the grocery store and the gas station and all the things that it takes to run this country, which sounds very similar to <laughs> 400 years ago. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, it increases our risk. So if you, if grandma go work at the grocery store and I work in the hospital and, you know, my mom works at the gas station, we're all essential workers. We all are work in a cesspool, right, and we come back together to go, to come home, to live, that risk is like, you know, times 500. Right. That risk is on steroids. Yes. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I, I'm ready for people to call a thing a thing. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't believe that it will ever really happen the way that I picture it in my mind, but I'm 
just so sick of like that old school, you know, thing your mama used to say to you, what you think I boo-boo the fool? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we are not retarded. We know everything that is going on in this country and how it's orchestrated for our demise on a grand scale. And, you know, you were talking about conspiracy theories earlier. People believe that COVID is like this um, biological war, like weapon or whatever. And I don't know, like this country and other countries, specifically the United States of America, let me not um, twist that. This country is so treacherous <laughs> that I don't even like be like, nah. Oh, it definitely could be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't dismiss nah. I mean, we have, there's a history of, of us being testimonies, right? Especially black people. Yeah. Long history. Of us being test dummies. Long, 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 long. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, all of it is so um, incensing and frustrating. And it saddens me, you know, because I feel like a lot of people don't have the option to stay home because we live in a capitalist society and... Mm -hmm you know, the, the country isn't shut down. And so now they are evicting people and they are, you know, doing mortgage foreclosures and they are like, all of that stuff is back in motion. And, you know, now that the country has reopened largely, there's no staying home or trying to get unemployment and people complaining about folks who are on unemployment, you know, getting a hand out, air quotes here. I'm just you know, COVID, there was like this COVID benefit with unemployment where people who were collecting unemployment were able to get like an additional amount, you know, if they had been affected by COVID, if they lost their job as a result of COVID or whatever, uh, had their hours reduced by COVID. Girl, that ends this month. Really? Yeah. So what are people supposed to do? I did not know. There was, you know, I was listening to another show, too, on YouTube where um, we were talking about, of course, why Black people are so, so more heavily affected by these things that happen in our country because, um, and a guy brought up the point that we are the first to be furloughed, laid off for fire, and the last ones to be called back. And I have seen that in my personal life with people wow. who love who mm -hmm. that happens to, who, who that happened to and is happening to right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, the injustice. It just mm -hmm. is mounting like at a rapid rate. Yeah, and then of course there are the people who say, You guys just need to work hard and <laughs> just, Yes. Girl, but we did already and you let us go. So Right. We built your bootstraps. We pulled you up by bootstraps. And then we just well, not. I mean, the entire thing that, yeah, like the entire thing. The whole thing. But Hashtag yes, you're, you're welcome. So that brings me to the whole, like, you know, people who have to work, right? Yes. And they have children who are now returning to school or, you know, schools are thinking about reopening and in some places removing even the option for online education. Yeah. And I just think it's so messed up. It's for one, it's messed up for parents to have to make this decision, even if you have the option to, you know, stay home and keep your kids home or whatever. Parents should not have to make this decision. Bottom line. I mean, period. it is. I mean, I, I it, truly, it doesn't matter on what side you're on. 
the stress is equal on both sides. For parents who decide they have to, you know, they're going to do full-time e-learning, that's stressful as hell. The parents who are deciding that they are going to have to send their children into the school system, like my girls, one of their, one of their best friends, they come from a two, she come, they come from a two parent household. One of the parents, the mom is a teacher. So she has to go back to work because she's a teacher. Mm-hmm. And the other one um, is a, he's a community, a leader in the community. So he works for like a community organization. So he has to, they're, they're back to work. They're open. They have to work. And so, you know, she spoke about like, like, we just have to send them back. Like, I don't have, <laughs> I don't have any choices. So this is like a situation where a lot of times it's not even like this is not there's no economic divide here. This is just like a thing of a thing. Yes. So unethical. I feel it like it just is playing Russian roulette with our children. You know what I'm saying? Like for sure. Why? Why are you guinea pig and the babies? Furthermore, if anybody's been around any children, like, bruh, and then I'm nasty. <laughs> They play just be they lick your face just because they want to. I swear, it's on a good like, day. She'll be like licking while I'm wiping her face with the towel. Like, why are you licking a towel? Just I mean, on a good day. They are they gonna not keep the masks on all day. No. They're gonna be trading masks. They're gonna yes. be having a good time. They miss each other. Like, why are yes. we doing this? Like it just it bothers me so much. And then again, like I feel for the parents who have to work, who don't have the opportunity to stay at home at mm-hmm. and work or whatever. And school is childcare for them. A lot of times it is. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just like, a lot of times it is. And you know, I I as challenging. So there's two things that I have to say. The first thing is that. When we're thinking about sending our children back to school in this environment, it will not be the school that, especially for elementary school students, you know, school is all warm and it's bubbly and your teachers give hugs and you hug your friends and y'all share community pencils and it's like this warm, fun, exciting environment. That is not going to be the way it is. (laughs) when we go back to school in August or September. Like, that is not the thing. And so I think, think about, like, kindergartners who are going to school for the first time who have parents who don't have the option to send them to school. Like, they've never, what? Their teacher's going to have a mask on. They don't get a chance to, like, really read her face or read his, his, you know, mood or his body language. Like, this is, What? And then the ones who have been to school and they're used to that environment, it is it will not be that same thing. You will not be able to hug your friends. You will not be able to share a pencil. You like it just will not be the same. And then, you know, I also think for that reason, the parents who do have an option, albeit stressful, albeit confusing, or something that you just don't want to do because you typically depend on schools to be childcare for you. If you can keep your children home, I think that you should. Because if you can keep them, if you do have that option, what you do is you make it safer in school for the ones who don't have any options. If you can keep yours home, 
you limit the number of children, you make that distance. Because I know here they were saying, like, I mean, of course, in, in the world, we're saying six feet, right? Social distance for six feet. In schools, they're saying we're going to try for six feet. We're going to do three feet minimum. Well, that's not what the research says. The research says six feet. So if you can, if you can remove, remove your children out, then you allow us for maybe to go from three feet to maybe four feet, right? Or to five feet, maybe potentially to six feet. Um, and so that's kind of the way that I have been processing it as I'm thinking about what I'm planning to do for my children in terms of keeping them home or going back to school um, is that, you know, thankfully I do have the option to, to keep them home. And so they're going to be home and we're just going to, we're going to, we're going to thug it out. <laughs> okay. I told them, listen, <laughs> we are going to thug it out. Call me teacher mommy <laughs> for the next 18 weeks. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I do have that option. And so I feel like when you, th- I am a person who thinks about community, right? That's part of me being the village. And so if I'm thinking about my school community, I'm thinking about um, the people who live in my community, I can keep mine home to try to help make, keep yours safe. I mean, I'm, obviously I'm keeping mine safe to stay home, but it's not only about my children. I'm helping to make, keep the school safer because I have the option to keep them home. Yes, I love that, though. I think that's a great idea and not something that I've thought about because my baby is not school age yet. Um, I'm just horrified by the idea, you know, and then I had this thought about um, children where school is their safe space, you know, everybody's home is a loving home. And so I've really been... Y'all, let me just tell y'all, life of an empath. <laughs> that breaks my heart. I just had a whole, like, yes. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Who are suffering at home, um, who are not in really thriving environments and places where they cannot really grow and be safe. Like, I cannot imagine the experience that they've had and what this has been like for them and then having to shift and go back to school and having it be so different. Having yeah. it be so different. Like, I cannot imagine what these little people must be feeling without the capacity to say it um, yeah. and the space to say it without the brain power to process everything that's happening. I mean, like, imagine how adults, how we're feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, like for me, thankfully, I've been able to stay home with my baby like most of her life at this point. But right before the pandemic, we assigned her up for swim lessons. I got in a wide membership and all of that. I'm trying to, you know, get a little social life going for her. And so, you know, we went to the swim lessons just a few times and then boom, everything shut down. And so not that I'm in the streets, I'm typically a homebody. But... You know, I would take her to the grocery store or we would go walk around the mall or, you know what I'm saying? Just simple little things or whatever. I was tired of being in the house and it wasn't too hot. We'd walk around the neighborhood, go to the park. And then she had her swim lessons and stuff like that. And everything happened in March. So around like right around my birthday, which was June 13th, I was like, okay, like I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the pressure. The walls are closing in on me. And I'm a person who is perfectly fine being at home. You know, and so then I think about her and I notice different behaviors in her. And I'm just like, you know, okay, (laughs) something's got to give. You know, I've got to find 
a way to keep my baby entertained and to make sure that mentally, physically, spiritually, that she is whole and, you know, just acknowledge that and then take care of myself and my own anxiety that I've got swirling around in the room that I have to be conscious of how she's responding to how I am. Yeah. Because then in the midst of all of that, we have an uprising, you know, protests and, you know, all of these things happening. So it's a lot of energies and stuff like that swirling around. And I just, my heart goes out to these babies, you know, because I just cannot imagine what this looks and feels like for them and how it will be remembered for them, especially the ones that will be old enough to remember, like, yes, going out and having to wear a mask and seeing everybody else in masks and all of this PPE Mm -hmm. and gloves, like, yeah, that has to be jarring. Yeah. And I will, I will, I always tell my girls too. I always tell them like, you guys are going to like, what a time to be alive, you know, like, you know what and they're old enough you know to to like fully remember this experience and I will say that when it first happened I had such like so my girls really truly have not been anywhere like they have not had the experience of like wearing a mask and going to the store or anything like I take on all that so like I'm like I'll be back I'm about to go to the grocery store you know I'm, I'm gonna pick it up I'm gonna go to the grocery store so I had to I mean so here we are, what, four months into it, five months in. And so I had to take a step back and be like, okay, maybe I should take them like in the car, like just drive around the city with the windows down or something. Because I mean, even if they go out first, I was like, y'all can go outside, jump on the trampoline, like ride your bike, you can do all those things. But even that is like, they still good looking at me. They still good looking at each other. Like, yeah. And mm-hmm. so it is. It is probably stressful for them. That that is a little bit of anxiety, um, which probably is causing some of the behaviors. I'm sure a lot of children are experiencing like some misbehavior or like a misrepresentation of who they truly are mm-hmm. as a result of the stress that comes along with that. And um, but like the parenting group, I've heard about a lot of regressing. What do so you do? You, what you think? What do you do? Right. Because you can't go nowhere. Like you still can't do anything. Yeah. So I've heard like a lot of parents talking about how their kids are regressing and um, doing like bedwetting or not sleeping through the night if they're littles or um, trying to breastfeed again if they have previously weaned and, you know, being very clingy or attached um and stuff like that and so I'm like well of course <laughs> like it's scary for them yeah yeah because I can't like you know I always I was telling somebody the other day um one of the nurses that I work with I was telling her that you know for a while I felt like my anxiety was up here and then it was up here for so long that this was my new baseline. So I didn't feel anxious. I didn't feel anxious. Like I used to feel anxious going to work and also anxious coming home. Like, Lord, please let me not bring it to home, right? Like baseline was up here. But now I've been here for so long, it's like normal. Like that stress level is still high, right? I'm sure my cortisol levels are still high, Mm -hmm. but I'm used to it. So that's my baseline. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, 
you almost forget that you're in a pandemic. You almost forget that that we're still here because you're so used to it. But and so you have to, you know, look at the children and how they're processing it. And then you're like, damn, <laughs> I but guess. we are stressed out. <laughs> yeah, we are stressed out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is jacked up. Yeah, 20s, yes. for real. Um, yeah, that makes me think about, um, you know, PTSD and stuff like that for healthcare workers and us being able to pay attention to our own self-care. Again, thankfully, I'm not working inside the hospital very much. But when I go, it's like I come home and nothing that was on the outside can come to the inside. Oh, yeah. You know? Or I'm stripping down at the door, clothes in the wash, um, super hot water, bleach, <laughs> and all of the things before I even look at my family. Um, I shower in the guest bathroom and just this whole new process and all of these things happening. Meanwhile, hospital administration um, throwing pizza parties and um, you know, having Blue Angel flyovers and making signs. <laughs> yes. To show their appreciation for we, us. Working heroes our work, work here. Cut a check. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like the hospital had, has a wellness department or whatever. Cut me in or cut it out. <laughs> They look, they called and was like, yeah, you know, so we're just calling, checking on everybody and, you know, all the nurses and trying to see, you know, what we could do so that, you know, this, this maybe could alleviate some stress for you or blah, blah, blah. And I said, um, I mean, I might not mind like a respite area or something like that at work, but I can assure you that my coworkers would like for you to spend more money in the form of a bonus. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if you are not paying more, then there is nothing that you can do to make us feel better about this situation. Like, and even aside from that, that is a slap in the face. But aside from that, for someone who truly loves nursing and what mm -hmm. they do, mm -hmm. not being able to touch my patients, not be, I mean, without the thought of this COVID thing, I'm a labor and delivery nurse not being able to have them see my entire face, you know, specifically these teeth that, you know, <laughs> I spent a lot of money for, for, you know, a nice smile. But, you know, I'm just, just for real, like, it's just yeah. really, really odd. It's just really odd. I feel like it's very hard to be an effective nurse and to coach my yeah. through labor or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's odd as hell. And I'm going to throw out there because I feel like, you know, when we talk about healthcare workers and working in the hospital, um, I have a deep appreciation for environmental services, people who are actually cleaning the hospital, who have had to change and Yes. rechange and do things way differently in terms of keeping the hospital clean and maintaining um you know rooms and the floors and all these different things yes. i have a deep appreciation and respect for for um the environmental services or housekeepers whatever you guys call them in your facility um listen we wouldn't be nobody else care. Ryan care. <laughs> In the words of Tupac, <laughs> nobody else care. 
care, Ryan care. And I see y'all and I appreciate you and I honor you and respect you um, because truly if you don't do what you do, we cannot function. Um, And I feel like y'all are the, you don't get anywhere near, especially during this time. You have not gotten anywhere near the level of respect and appreciation that you deserve. And so I see you and I appreciate you. And I mean, truly, because you guys are putting yourself at the same risk, if if not more risk than we are going in, changing trash and, you know, how many positive COVID positive patients rooms and cleaning those positive rooms when the patient is discharged. And Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, all of that. And so I, you know, hey, does anybody else care? Ryan care. (laughs) <laughs> right because I mean I have the luxury of coming in and going to one unit I know at yeah. um, Eskenazi there used to be like one or two people who clean the whole hospital and yes. so that especially at night yeah that guarantees that you go onto the COVID floor you, you're mm-hmm. going to the room where there was a positive COVID patient period mm-hmm. and there's so much that we don't know about this um, virus and I think that's what bothers me more than anything that um, Facebook scholars, they talking about was baloney or was not, or was not, and I was like, it's right in the name. It's called the novel, novel. COVID-19. So that means novel. Never seen it before. Never. Like, new. This is literally learning as we go. It is. You know what I'm saying? And so how y'all mm-hmm. got so much knowledge? A whole epidemiologist can't even figure it out. But y'all, <laughs> y'all talk out here talking about herd immunity. You know how dumb you sound? Ain't no yeah. immunity. There is we no immunity. No, we don't know that's a thing. No herd immunity. Yeah. Like, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So, all of things. Yeah. Things. I, I don't know. I think I've aired out all my concerns. So speaking of, you talked about PTSD, so I do find value, you know, you and I share the sentiment that therapy is life. Oh, oh, I love it. I had therapy today, child, and I do not regret it. (laughs) I do not regret it. And so I would just encourage, you know, um, you know, even, even putting your children in therapy, I can say that. I feel like I always say we're all fucked up. And so we all need therapy on some level um, because we've all had experiences that even if they weren't terrible, we may have perceived them to be as such. Um, The people in our lives are imperfect. We are imperfect. And so sometimes that doesn't always mesh well. And so I have even um, scheduled an appointment for some family therapy for me and the girls. Um, right now in this very difficult time and so I just would encourage everybody yeah if you are not already in therapy to find some sit on a couch find some, sit on somebody's couch sit on somebody's couch child. now I'll say listen since we've been in COVID I have not sat on anybody's couch but mine because we've been doing virtual therapy mm-hmm. and that was a, a big challenge for me to get over because it was just weird it felt really impersonal I was kind of like this is it's hard to like really open up this way um but I mean five months in <laughs> I'm, I'm in it like I'm like whatever like, whoa time's up oh dang oh, no. <laughs> already 
necessarily <laughs> encourage just that. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just warming up. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, so I would encourage, you know, get in some therapy, um, you know, talk, even, you know, even there is, it's also therapeutic to talk to your friends. Like, don't hold it in. Like, you know, my cousin texted me the other day and was like, you know, I respect your independence and your privacy and your hustle, but I don't know that you're struggling if you don't say anything. Mm-hmm. And um, I might cry. <laughs> okay. You can cry. But that's, that's so true. Um, it's so true. And so, you know, again, being the village, right? Asking for help. Um, even if you're not struggling per se, reach out to the people who love you. Even if you just check in on them. Even if you don't feel like you need anybody to check in on you. You know, check in on them and share some of your experiences. Get some of this stress off your chest. You know, let it out. It helps you to blow off some steam. You'll get a couple giggles in. You know, Lord knows that's therapeutic. I laugh all the time. Probably too much. I probably get sick of my damn laugh on this. Thing. <laughs> nah. No. I but it's so good for you. It's so healthy. It's so therapeutic, you know. So, you know, therapy would be my first suggestion while you're waiting on your appointment. You know, check in on your people. Check yeah. on your strong friends, you know. And don't let them off the hook easy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because people will be like, you doing all right? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm good. And really, if you just sit in the silence and be uncomfortable for about mm, 30 to 60 seconds, something deeper will come to the forefront. I promise you. Here come the waterworks. I'm just crying yeah. on the other end. <laughs> something deeper will come. because, And I've done that. I'll be like, how you doing? You know, oh, I'm okay. And I intentionally say nothing. Intentionally. Because the truth is going to come up. It bubbles know? up. It does bubble up. Especially if there's something that you are forcibly pushing down. You know, mm-hmm. it happened to me, like I said, you know, it used to be back in the day that shutting down was my jam. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when people would try and reach out, I would not answer the phone or whatever. But to that one person where I did answer, you got the boom, dun, nada. <laughs> I just let it all go. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I am a huge proponent of therapy. Anybody who's listened to this show before already knows that. Yes. Um, I've been in therapy multiple multiple times in my life. Um. I believe that I get paid to do what I do best. I believe that I was gifted with certain things um, that makes me an awesome nurse, friend and mother, um, whatever you want to call it. And I also believe that people who are therapists have those same gifts. Definitely. Yeah. And that if they are truly gifted and you have good chemistry with your therapist, it can be such an enlightening experience. It's like Pandora's box. Because no, literally. (laughs) One thing begets another thing, and you can go and be like, yeah, I'm about to have therapy because I'm in this jacked-up relationship, and I need to figure this out. And then they'd be like, so tell me about your family. And you're like, oh, no, literally? And I'd be like, I don't, I just can't see an end in sight. Like, I can't see an end date. Like, <laughs> I'm like a year and a half in, consistently going, and I'm like, so when are we going to be done? <laughs> Am I really this fucked up? Am I you know how Val always says, uh, shout out to Val. That's her today's her birthday. Happy birthday, Val. Um, yeah. She'll always be like, just keep living. 
Yes. Just keep living. And, you know, sure as shit, as sure as the sun will rise, there are things that come up. And I'm reading this book called um, Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome by Dr. Joy Guru, I think is how you pronounce her last name. I love her for one, but she just talks about the trauma and that's wrapped up in a Black experience. And if you ever do any kind of trauma work, um, you know that trauma is passed down in DNA, especially if it's not addressed. And so just being an African descendant of slaves in this country, trust me, you need to be <laughs> under someone's care for therapy because yeah. there are so many dynamics um, wrapped up in a Black experience and how we relate to one another yes. um, and how we move through this world. That And what we think of ourselves. Yes, that's all dependent on, you know, the past. Yes. I'm here for it. I'm excited. We talked already about getting a therapist on. So listen, if you're a black therapist, if you are consider yourself an expert on the black experience, particularly or specifically, and you want to join us um, on the show and talk a little bit more deeply about the importance of um, black people being in therapy, hit us up. Consciousedation705 at gmail.com. No, ma'am. Uh, get sedated. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Get sedated 705. I was getting ready to say that's consultation underscore. <laughs> get sedated. Get sedated 705 at gmail.com. Get your mama, Tasha. Get your mama. You were so confident, though. You were so confident. I was. I was on it. I thought I was on it. Hey, please fuck it. Uh-huh. <laughs> that is funny. You yeah. said no, ma'am. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's very wrong. <laughs> that's extremely wrong. It's actually no, ma'am. Seven zero five at gmail. Which what is it? What is it? Get sedated. Seven zero five at gmail.com. So if you are a therapist and consider yourself an expert on the black experience. This is where that editing used to come into play, you know, but we live. Well, we live, so it don't matter. Don't matter. Get sedated at seven. Wait. <laughs> I've been drinking, y'all. I'm going to just be honest. Uh, I think Get sedated705 at gmail.com. Did your mama, Tasha? We all good. We all good. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm like, hey. Look, I hope your mama not watching right now. <laughs> she ain't say nothing, mama. She just play. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> she love you. I love you. <laughs> I swear I do. I didn't mean nothing by it. <laughs> it's just jokes. <laughs> you know what's funny, my mama. God rest her soul always told me, watch yourself playing the dozens. Don't you play the dozens with nobody. That's <laughs> all right. Like, you know, dozens get you killed. <laughs> like, can't, Out can't, here can't. in these streets. People, people serious about their mama. <laughs> people serious about their mama. You can play them games if you want to. You'll be sorry. <laughs> Y'all, Ryan is about to <laughs> she, she over there in tears. I'm sorry. I love you. I love you. Yes, Alvita. Well, I was talking about your mama. <laughs> I love her too. 
Okay, it's not fun. But I do love you too, Tash. I know. <laughs> what you it's just put by your ear, Tasha? <laughs> My edges. You know what? I had a moment where I was just like looking for some edge control and I was like, now what kind of self-respecting black woman ain't got edge control? And then I was just like, a free one. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> let these edges roll. Let them be exactly what they go. Literally, let them roll. <laughs> let them roll. <laughs> Snap, crackle, and pop. Do whatever they got to do. This is who I am. This is how the hair grows out by head. I think you're fine, so. I mean, I date you. <laughs> you know what alright we are okay. done talking about COVID we are done talking about COVID yeah I'm looking at my notes here I think we pretty much done went down the list we did. I have aired out all of my concerns I'm just I'm really ready for it to be over um, I'm mad that I messed up my 40th birthday but I'm grateful um, yeah it's a lot of a lot of um dualities happening. Where Listen, let's go back to your 40th birthday. I'm sorry. Hold your thoughts. What? <laughs> I just say. I used to think there were so many years between us. No, you tried to clown me all the time. Surprise. It's only three. Oh, you get on my nerves. <laughs> You're going to be brown as I had the realization that I am almost 40. Mm. I'm up here like WTF. <laughs> Dark reality. What I say last week? Life comes at you fast. <laughs> yeah. Keep yeah. living. Just keep on living. If you're lucky, just keep living. But yeah, I mean, I feel like I have a lot of dualities going on where I'm grateful and I'm frustrated. I'm, yeah. you know, happy. And I'm ready for this to be over. I'm happy I'm healthy. And I really need a vacation. True. It's both and. Everything is true all at once. I'm having all yeah. all at once. I feel the same. I feel like, you know, super blessed to have um, a job that I don't have to fear losing due to this. If anything, it's making my job more secure. <laughs> Um, and I'm also, you know, have a lot of fear and anxiety about going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm thankful that I can keep my children home, to, you know, for school. And I also have a lot of fear and anxiety about homeschooling them because that is something that's brand new for me. I, it's something I've always wanted to do. I always thought I, you know, when I dreamed about myself as a mother, I always wanted to be a homeschool mom. Mm-hmm. Right. But like there's lots of fear and anxiety tied to that right now for me. Um, you know, thankful that things have slowed down. There is a, a, a huge benefit in the way that life is slower right now. You know, you get to spend more time with your family. There's not a lot of stuff to do. You can take more time and spend more time. And I'm thankful for that. But, um, you know, also there, there are concerns about some of the things that you're used to, like, you know, like, you know, the activities that your children are used to doing and that social aspect that's so very important for them right now. Like that's gone. Even, even for myself, because I love to sit on somebody's patio and have a glass of wine. That's over. <laughs> that's over for me right now. Um, so like, I agree with you. There's a, there's a lot of duality, um, as it pertains to the feelings that are wrapped, um, around COVID or within COVID. 
Yeah, I'm happy you mentioned that because that is one thing that I said at the front end of this. Like, you know, when everyone was rushing for things to be back to normal, I really um, wish that we would take a hard look at what the normal was and acknowledge that the normal wasn't really working. And so, you know, in transitioning back to a normal life, I hope that we can be prudent in reinstituting what's good for us and leaving what wasn't, you know. Yeah, you know, and and I I think that that is an important thing to consider as the the cities and states are you know opening back up, especially mm-hmm. in these phases or on these levels, um, that hopefully we have the courage to leave behind what wasn't working. You know, hopefully we don't have this pressure <clears throat> to fall back. To, to fall back in line with what wasn't working for us. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Well, I don't know what we're talking about next week. Um, in the meantime, if you guys have any <laughs> any questions, concerns, comments, I haven't been watching the live. So for everyone who joined us, thank you so much for um, logging in. Everyone who shared the video, thank you so much for sharing it. Um, I try yeah. to- Mario, Talisha, A.V., Trish, LaFonda, Horatio. Hey, Horatio. Hey, Rio. We got a lot of people. But um, anyway, you guys hit us up either at our social media pages. Say it right. Say it right. Touch. The date is 705 at gmail.com. We can be found at um, conscious underscore sedation on all of our platforms. Um, It may be a little bit different on Facebook, but if you just put in conscious sedation, we'll pop up. So, yeah. You know, any closing thoughts, Ryan? Um, I think I kind of already gave my little nurse's note was to, you know, be mindful of where you are. And um, if you need to talk to somebody, like I said, you know, therapy is a great option. I think everybody needs to go to therapy anyway, even outside of COVID. We all need therapy, I feel. Um, And then also reach out to your people. Check on your people, you know. Um, Check on the people who you think don't need to be checked on. Check on the people who you know need to be checked on. And like you said, Tasha, don't let people get away with the old okie doke, I'm good you know dig a little deeper you know yeah or just hold be, the be the village yeah just hold the space for them even if they say i'm okay you know just yeah. just give them the room to not be okay and the comfort in knowing that that's okay too um for me my little nurse's note would be utilize facetime more and video chat i feel like um our generation Man, I was laughing and talking to Ryan about this a week or so ago, how really we could see each other more, but we just don't take advantage of FaceTime um, or any kind of video chat. I'll text and then reception is not that great for my phone here at the house. So I'll be like, "Uh, I'm getting off the phone. Just text me instead of using an app to actually see my people. And I feel like um, I love that so much more, especially because I have a growing baby and you know, I want her family and my friends to be able to see her and she see them and all of that. And that um, minimizes our risk. <laughs> so you really don't yeah. feel as disconnected when you are able to video chat for people and keep mm-hmm. in touch. 
And it's hard to lie to somebody when you see their face. It really is. You know, you can read the truth on somebody's face when you're FaceTiming versus like a text. Anybody can, you know. Oh, everything's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. I like that. I like, I, I tell my, one of my best friends who lives actually in Atlanta all the time, like, we need to FaceTime more. Like, we don't do that. We just text or call, like, we on the phone, <laughs> like, talk on the phone, you know, like, FaceTime a little bit so we can kind of, it is a different level of connection when you FaceTime. So I appreciate that. Thank you for reminding me even of that. You're welcome. <clears throat> I know. I know, girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's 10.30. It's yes, skin. we have kept the people long enough. It's 10 30. <laughs> we thank y'all for joining us. And yes. Next week. We will be back next week. Now, listen, we ain't going to keep going live for y'all. No, yeah. Y'all going to have to find us on, mm. you know, SoundCloud, iTunes, Anchor. Y'all going to find us on these apps now. Google Podcast, Apple Podcast. Um, I use Podcast Addict. Yeah, we are available on pretty much any streaming platform. So wherever you get your podcast and content, just look us up, and we will be right there. So each, you know, should have to do like Brian said, will not be live because ain't nobody got time all the time. Also, we be ugly by eight thirty. We be real. <laughs> we be through. <laughs> Every time, oh, I, let me speak for myself. Yeah. Every time I think about putting on my eyebrows for y'all, I be like, nah. <laughs> just to wipe them off in an hour and a half. It ain't even worth it. Like for yeah. what? Yeah. I put on some lip gloss and was like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I turned my shirt around. <laughs> and you braids your hair. Your braids are very cute. Thank you, thank you. And I, you know, twisted my dirty hair. Mm-hmm. It's okay because my sister's coming tomorrow, so I'm gonna be able to wash my hair and peace, y'all. <laughs> Good, yes. See the little things. I know, right? Well, yeah, it's been real. Thank it you. has been real. We is done. Peace out. Peace out. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>